You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 17 of You Play A What. I had just come off an interview with my guest today, who is Yu Yao. According to him, Yu Yao treats music as a side hustle, which leads to a greater sense of artistic control in his art. His life is a classic case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and I'll leave the decision-making down to you. We all know that switching careers between industries can be extremely challenging. It's even more so if you happen to be a music graduate. So he shares some of his experiences being let down and the realities of the real world. So a little bit of a shameless plug, if you enjoy the content of this podcast so far, please do me a favor and leave a rating or review if you are listening to this podcast via iTunes. Otherwise, you can subscribe or follow this podcast on wherever you are listening so you can be up to date with the latest episodes. Thank you so much for all of your support. I really do appreciate it. And recently, I heard this from the Entrepreneurial Musician Podcast hosted by Andrew Hitz. Thank you so much for your attention. The most precious commodity any of us have to give. And with that, please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Yu Yao. today is not a full-time musician, but bear with me for a minute and continue to listen because this episode has the making of an extremely interesting one. Although he does not work in the music industry full-time, he has been through the rigor of music education and has certainly at some point painted himself a beautiful picture of what a career in music would be like. He spent a few years in London pursuing his bachelor's in ethnomusicology and since his return to Singapore in 2016, he has continued to live his life as a performer whilst having a day job. Welcome to the show, Yuyao. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me, Vincent. Uh, very lovely introduction you have. <laughs> uh, no, thank you for agreeing to speak to me. I say this to my guests all the time. 
without all of you coming or agreeing to come to the podcast, really, I have zero content. So thank you so much for taking time out. Thank you. Especially, you know, um, with having a day job, <laughs> time off work is extremely precious. So I do appreciate you, you know, coming on the podcast and speaking to me. Um, yeah, and it's been really nice to just kind of reconnect with you after a couple of years. Yes, it was. Yeah, I believe I first probably got in touch with you a couple of months after I returned from my studies in the UK regarding a gig, which uh, of course, at the end of the day, uh, you couldn't make because of work, right? Yes. Yeah, so right. yeah, that was a, a little bit unfortunate. It'd be nice to to have like played together. Although it's not like we played together when we were back in school anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's plenty to unpack, I think, in this episode. And of course, uh, like I already sort of mentioned, yeah, you and I, we go back to our NAFA days, right? When we, yes, that's correct. Yeah, when you're still playing at Erhu. Mm-hmm. And yeah, fast forward a couple of years, you know, we are here. And to be honest... Is this where your 17-year-old self expected you to be? Absolutely not. Uh, I've, I've never expected uh, myself um, doing my current job, to be honest, mm. and um, also not doing music full-time because during NAFA days, uh, I was quite committed to, to pursue music as a career. But uh, as, you know, as I went along, uh, I see different things. I have different uh, expectations. Mm. And I've decided along the way that maybe it's not for me and I might want to pursue something else. Yeah. And there's the process of growing up, isn't it? It is. Actually, yeah. yeah. To be honest, it is a, it's an awful lot of pressure to put on a 17 or like even a 20-year-old to then like tell, tell them that decide now what you want to do yes. for the next 30 years, isn't it? And yeah, sometimes it's difficult for us to detach ourselves from this sort of our purpose of life kind of thing, right? That we started this, um, our education in music and we just want to continue to stay in this field, but we stubbornly stay in it, although we are not enjoying it. That could be a real problem. So yeah, lo- lots of respect for you to uh, come up with the decision to... Uh, pivot essentially into something that's completely unrelated to music and it must not have been easy. Yes, it was quite difficult because um, with a music degree in in Singapore, it's mm. quite difficult for employers to try to find a connection uh, with the related skill sets that is required in the job. Mm. And the idea of a music degree at the moment is more performance-based. Whereas I did a different one. I did, I did uh, a more academic, a more a holistic kind of music degree. So it's not performance-based. And I think mm. that also plays a part in, in my, you know, uh, what, what kind of skills I've, I've um, acquired and what, what sort of experiences I had. And these mm. are the things that really uh, helped in my uh, job hunting, of course, yeah. it was not a, it was not an easy process because at first at, at first glance, you know, your, your hiring managers will see music. They probably will put it aside. They might be interested. <laughs> they might be keen yeah. to find out more. But I've been through uh, some interviews and it was not very um, successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I think really it's more of like, well, this is a music degree. 
we are curious. So let's just speak to this person. Maybe yeah. good things will come out of it. But of, more often than not, <laughs> you realize that you don't end up being what they're looking for, yes. right? Or the, what yeah. these companies are looking for. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Uh, how, how do you think like, now that you have uh, a full-time uh, employment, which means that your livelihood does not revolve around uh, making it as a, gig, a gigging musician or a music educator, has this sort of financial stability affect the way that you perceive music and your own music performance now? that you don't have to rely on this to pay like bills or just put food on the table? Um, there definitely is a difference because um, I have more freedom to choose what I want to do. And um, I'm not under the pressure of trying to get gigs maybe like uh, once or twice in, in a month, you know, in order to sustain financially. Because of this um, freedom, I, I actually enjoy the, the, the process even more. Mm. And I can say I'm, I'm, I'm happier this way uh, yeah. to do music as a side hustle. Mm. And uh, of course, uh, it, was, it was really, it, it's an expensive side hustle to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you spend definitely. a lot of money, training, uh, you, you do a music degree overseas. And when, yeah. you, when you tell people that, oh, it has become a side hustle, it's uh, <laughs> some people might think that oh, is it because you couldn't make it and uh, mm. so definitely I had the insecurities um as well. So yeah, uh, it was quite difficult to uh, yeah. At the beginning. But the the music process, uh, the music making process, it's something that I really enjoy. I I I enjoy it more now than I did perhaps in in Nafa times when 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 I took on gigs. Mm. Definitely yeah. different. The mindset is different. Okay. I understand where you're coming from that now you say that you are doing um, music as a side hustle is oftentimes like unjustifiable. Like people then question like, oh, why then did you go and study? And why don't you, why did you like spend all this money? But to be honest, why not? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, it is just an, uh, it is just education, right? It is, it's not like it doesn't define you uh, as a person and your scope of work and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely. And what you mentioned is really interesting. It's somehow by having this job, you sort of unshackled your artistic control over the gigs and the shows that you're performing, isn't it? Which is kind of quite interesting, actually. Yes, because you, 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 you get to choose. Mm. I, I'm not too sure about uh, musicians who, uh, who 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 do it full time, yeah. Um, perhaps may maybe you don't really have absolute freedom. Maybe sometimes you you, you think, oh, um, I may not like this gig, but I need to take it because uh, I've got bills to pay. Yeah, definitely. So th there is this uh, this part that you 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 start to take gigs that you don't really enjoy. Mm. You get the money definitely, uh, but you might not get the uh, artistic uh, high, so yeah. to speak. For sure, the sense of satisfaction. Yes. Yeah. And of course, this uh, element of the work then becomes a little bit transactional. Yes. We, To be honest, we all have gigs or work that we are not super passionate about, but we take it up because we need it. 
more than anything else, right? It's not really like our cup of tea, but we do it because we need it. So, yeah, we, I mean, we'll dig a little bit deeper to perhaps uh, what really pushed you towards like a completely different industry and moving away from music full-time a little bit later. But now let's talk a little bit about some of the performances that you've done since uh, coming back from London in 2016. But before we go to that, uh, can you just tell us what do you play now? Um, I play the oud now. So the oud is... Um it's a Middle Eastern lute uh, mm. that you you can find in most Middle Eastern countries and also in the Mediterranean countries as well. So if you were to explain what the lute is to a lay person, how would you do it? It's like, a, it's like, it's like the old style guitar. It's like the ancestor of the guitar. Right, right. And how, how many strings do you have on, on the lute? So the oud, we, we, we say it, uh, it's a six-course string instrument, uh, which means um, a, a course means uh, two strings that are tuned exactly the same and they are played like it's one. So um, it's actually, so for, for, for the oud, it's actually 11 strings. It's five pairs and one single string, the bass string. So 11 I strings see. in total. Okay. And, and is this like, has the oud gone through some kind of um, modern development, like, you know, our brass instruments and stuff like that? It's sort of grown since the old times, right? Uh, the design and the, the way the, the strings are paired and all this kind of stuff, has it more or less stayed traditional since it was created? For, uh, like, like most string instruments, the, the strings in the past that were used in the past, they are mostly gut strings. Modern times, they have uh, evolved and they started to use the uh, copper chrome and nylon and all that right, uh, right. kind of uh, strings that, that produce uh, uh, um, a louder sound, a brighter mm. sound. Yep. And uh, the range has also uh, increased. Uh, um, we, the fretboard has, has increased so you can play more notes. Right. But the, the overall shape of, of the oud, the, the, there is a bow, it's a bow-shaped body now that mm. that shape actually remained remained since since the uh, the early days okay right so the general sort of the um, appearance the general appearance looks the same okay okay understand yeah so for those of you who are perhaps a little bit uh, curious or like thinking what is the oud if you want to like look it up it's spelled o u d right perhaps like a little bit too many vowels for a word that is <laughs> for a three-letter word. Yeah, but it's spelled O-U-D. Uh, it's an absolutely beautiful instrument. Uh, sounds beautiful, looks beautiful. And yeah, I really, really enjoy the, the sounds that um, the, the wood produces. And of course, you specialize in Turkish classical music. Am I right? Okay, uh, sp specialize is, a, is quite a... It's quite a big word. I wouldn't say I'm I I specialize, but I I'm trained more in that tradition. But I haven't okay. reached that level of uh you know uh I wouldn't consider myself a high level practitioner of Turkish music as yet. But I can do most of the the things that are expected from um from a from a musician doing uh, Turkish music. But there, there is still a lot for me to learn because I've only picked up this instrument in my second year and only got serious uh, towards the end of the second year and the third year. 
Okay. Uh, this is like second and third year of your studies. Oh, yes, uh, of my uh, degree studies, yeah. So it's a right, three-year right. program. I took it up mm. in the second year, got serious right. towards the end of the second year and moving on to the third year. I see. So it must have been like, what, 2015 or so that you started playing? Yes, yes, correct. I see. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, uh, it is a, a, quite a niche. Of course, there are wood players in Singapore, but of course... Uh, in terms of Turkish music in Singapore, this is something that is extremely niche. And of course, this have then uh, led you to perform in some pretty interesting and uh, from the looks of it, pretty important events as well. Uh, like, uh, and for very important people like the Turkish ambassador. Uh, so how was that experience like? And what was the reaction that people had when they hear you play Turkish music? Oh, they were very shocked, to, to be honest. Because uh, they... As I know, not many, apart from one person I know from the Turkish community, nobody plays Turkish music in Singapore. Mm. I mean, I'm talking yeah. about the Turkish community. So when 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 I joined, when, when I was invited to do the, to to perform at a function, and when the ambassador was there, he was he was very shocked because he he, he did not expect someone, especially a Singaporean, to play Turkish music. Yeah, and he thought like, oh, this is so so interesting, and and I I had the opportunity to speak with him and he also uh, engaged me on a second event for it's a it's a private dinner with his uh, guests and uh and and they wanted to showcase some uh, cultural stuff from from turkey mm. and then mm. he, he he extended the invitation to me to ask and, and ask me if i were interested to to perform and yeah i took it because uh, i thought it was it's an experience yeah and that definitely a good feeling. I think you get the the stamp of approval from a Turkish citizen that you know we do appreciate uh, what you bring and the way that you perform Turkish music. Yes, yeah. yes, I'm actually very uh, very flattered as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah. So now, apart from uh, performing this uh, Turkish music. Uh, recently, you have also had a performance with a group that is pretty close to your heart, which is the Singapore National Youth Chinese Orchestra. Uh, of course, you have spent a good amount of your time, you know, formative years as an Erhu player and at times leading the orchestra as well, I believe, over the, uh, over a certain period of time in your music uh, musical development, right? Yes. Um I, I was in the I was in the orchestra for about four years, I believe. So I mm. was there from sec three, sec four, and then um, Nafa one and Nafa two. And so, of course, uh, this time round, you return to uh, perform with the orchestra, but not as a whole player, but uh, featured as a wood soloist uh, together with uh, I think it's uh, a wood and pipa piece with Chinese orchestra. Yes, yes, that is correct, yes. And how was this like, right? Going back to this orchestra once again, although this time you're not um, sitting in the orchestra or playing the ohu. It, it was quite a, a bizarre experience because I haven't been playing in, the, in, a, in a Chinese orchestra for quite some time. Mm. Since, since the final year in NAFA, I, I, I left the orchestra. And then since then, I've never actually played in, a, in an orchestra Okay, maybe once or twice for some guest performances, but nothing, ma not, not, nothing major, not a huge concert or what. But yeah. uh, so, 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 so going back to to SNYCO, it's 
it's it's quite it's quite strange because uh, when I was when I was an orchestra member then I did not have a chance to 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 perform a solo with with the orchestra mm. on the Erhu. but now yeah. they've they've invited me to play um, an oud and pipa piece and uh, I think I think that program that concert program was they were inviting alumni of the orchestra to to participate so some of the the orchestra members used to be uh, used to be members when they were much younger so right. they, they came back to join with the current uh, members to perform i see yeah okay uh, even in the orchestra as well like yeah. not just the, okay yeah, so, so I, it must I, be... I saw some familiar faces in the in the in the orchestra apart from the uh, the younger the younger ones whom i've never met i see i see yeah. nice and uh, that do people generally know that you've uh, sort of picked up this new instrument now and you have like gone a little bit less active on the Erhu? Uh, in general, y- yes. Uh, since coming back to, since returning to Singapore, I don't think I've performed the Erhu yet. So it's been like four years. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't wow. taken, uh, taken on any gigs for Erhu. Because I'm, I I'm more active on, on the Oud. And I, I enjoy see. the wood much more <laughs> at this point of okay. time. Okay, okay, fair enough. So we are. At which point would you retire the instrument? Then I wouldn't say I retire. <laughs> but I, hope, <laughs> I hope to. Uh, if I mean, if there is something interesting, if there is a interesting program, and they might want to look for an Ohu player, and uh, if uh, if I happen to be around, uh, yeah, I would love to uh, go back and and do something here. So right now, let's talk about how you and I first met. So yeah, pretty straightforward. Two 17-year-old at <laughs> NAFA, living the dream, pursuing the passion, yes. thinking that we can take on the world, right? Yes. <laughs> kind of sums it up. <laughs> we were one yeah, of the yeah. few 17-year-olds, you know? I, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And I think this conversation always comes up uh, when I speak to uh, NAFA batchmates. Ah, okay. Right? Because... Yeah, because yeah, it is a, as well, Mervin. Exactly, exactly. It is almost like a novelty, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 17-year-old deciding that, you know, <laughs> music is going to be your career. Well, good luck. No. Huge <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, you know, it's... Um, at, at the end of the day, we, we went into it not because we... It's for really for the the interest that we have developed over the years more than anything that we've decided to study music, isn't it? It's not like we are out to, you know, uh, earn a lot of money yes. or or whatnot. Yes. Yeah, but of course, with with regards to entering music school, sometimes we also question that apart from making us or teaching us how to become good musicians and prof- uh, proficient practitioners of our respective instruments. Are, are there things that music schools can do to prepare us for the real world? I, I, I honestly think that um, music schools should be upfront and uh, to, to, to students or to potential students in order to manage their expectations. Hmm. Everyone who goes into a music school who wants to do um, uh, a full-time, maybe a diploma, they all aspire to become a soloist. Everyone is trained to be a soloist. 
you work, you put in so much effort in, uh, in, in, in perfecting your craft, practicing so many hours a day, you hope that mm. at the end, you might, you might make it. But in, in the real world, in, in actuality, uh, not many actually uh, make it to become soloists. Yeah, now, this is this is the hard truth, and I think uh, people who stu- students who 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 wish to pursue music should know this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know the idea of being a soloist is that you need to have certain selling points. Yes, you know there are at this point in time so many competent musicians, right? Uh, so, you know, yeah, being competent at what we do is no longer uh, a selling point. It is expected, right? Of, yes. of all of us. Yeah. So you got to sort of like distinct yourself from your whatever country or wherever you're working. Otherwise, you face a real big problem. And this is where market, um, marketing yourself, self-promotion is so important, which music schools unfortunately don't teach. Mm. Or they don't teach it properly. Ah, okay. I, I think, you know, yes. uh, because it's it's easy to tell people that you got to have like a website, you got to have like a, a Facebook page, you got to have all these things, right? You need to be present, you need to put up stuff. That's all good stuff. That's all good advice. But do you have something to say with your content? What is your niche? What do you do? Yes. You know? It's something if, that is lacking, I think. Yeah. So if you, I mean, marketing, if you do it properly, if you've got a good product to sell, then it's going to work out, I think. But if you don't have the the product, then there's nothing to market, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And of course, a lot of people, uh, perhaps they, what they want to do is they want to model their careers after a big soloist that is already in the scene at the moment. And my question is whether there's a need for another of this type of musician, someone that tours around the world and play concertos with orchestra. Do we need more people that are doing that? Or do we need someone that, you know, for example, like you, a Singaporean uh, musician that perform Turkish music. I think that's really interesting. And immediately, you know, it piques my curiosity. (laughs) Right? Yeah. You, you get what I mean? Yes, uh, yes, as, yes. Although, you, yeah, although you're not doing it full-time, all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I want to click on it and maybe I want to listen to it and see what this is all about and just check this out. And, you know, you never know. You get like one or two uh, followers or people who really, really enjoy the stuff that you're creating. And then, you know, eventually you could have a spot and you could have a career in this. But, you know, uh, yeah, certainly just by being present and not having things to say is also not very ideal. I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But then that's me blabbering away. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I agree with you. I agree with you. Totally. It's, 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 about re- it's really about trying to, to present something different because mm. uh, to be realistic, uh, everyone is doing... As you said, you know, uh, they, they they aspire to be be be, be a, a concerto performer, a concert violinist, concert pianist, but really, mm. do, do we do we need so many, you know? And yeah. everyone's trained to be to 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 be like them, but only a handful makes it. 
Mm. Yeah, and it, and nowadays with uh with the uh you know social media and 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 all that and quite cosmopolitan world, people mm. are people are more keen to 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 see something different, and this yeah. I think is the selling point. Yeah, definitely, and of course that also means that that product or whatever that you're selling or putting forward for. Uh, to attract your following and your audience is true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, I think, the the most important thing, right? So this, whatever that you're going for, it has to be something that you are deeply passionate about or, yeah, something that you are, you really have a high level of uh, interest in. Otherwise, you know, it's, yeah, you you burn out very quickly yes. when you don't yes, reap the, yes. yeah, when, when you don't reap the benefits, then you burn out very quickly. And now, so talk to us about your musical journey. So bring us back to where it all started. It all started, um, I think when I was five, I was uh, I, I started on the piano, like most people that I know. Mm. Uh, I started yeah. on the piano, absolutely hated it. <laughs> uh, because we prefer spending our weekends watching cartoons. Yes, right? yes. And the, <laughs> and the practicing and... And and I can recall that um, the 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 teacher wasn't very uh, wasn't very motivating. It's always you know uh, practice and practice and practice, but you but you don't really know what you're doing at that time, mm, yeah. right? So mm. um, so I, I took piano lessons uh, when I was five and and even throughout uh, primary school. But I think I stopped here and there, and then I picked it up again. So this is primary school, and it all changed uh, when I entered secondary school. I joined okay. I joined the Chinese orchestra. Mm. But I joined the Chinese orchestra only after I left my original CCA, which was badminton. Okay. Yeah, right. I was into badminton at that time. I see. Yeah, but the training was too tough and we decided, okay, let's let's move on. Let's go, let's go on. And why the Chinese orchestra? Because I thought, okay, I I, I played the piano before. Maybe let's do something you know, musical. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah, but well, it's, it's comparing like, you know, standing under the hot sun yes, or being yeah. in an air-conditioned room, right? Yes, yes, so, air-conditioned yeah. room, yes. The air-conditioned room is, uh, is, was a huge incentive then. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, uh, yeah. so, so I joined the I, I joined the orchestra and initially I wasn't uh, given the erhu. I was actually given the suona, okay. the, the Chinese uh, trumpet instrument, the, the very loud one. Yeah, yeah, the double reed weapon, uh, for wow. for mass destruction. That it is a weapon, a, isn't it? <laughs> and I have asthma, so I I'm not very okay. good with my lungs. I know that, so I was struggling. I and then in the end, I I I requested, can I change, uh, to to mm. another instrument? And at that time, uh, the only other Chinese instrument that I kind of know or, or I'm familiar with, I've seen people play, is actually the erhu. So I said, okay, let's let's try the erhu, and mm, okay. um, uh. So I, I I did the erhu, but at that time the orchestra in my school is not very strong as 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 compared to some some other schools, some other mm, okay. so the CO is not very strong. So people are not they take it as a CCA, so they are not very uh, serious in 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 it. Not there were one or two, but not many. Right. I I only, I started private lessons towards uh at the end of uh. At the end of at the end of sec one, so I started private lessons, and uh, and I improved very quickly. 
And I joined the, uh, maybe you might know, the NAFA School of Young Talent thing. Ah, okay. Yeah, I so, see. so my teacher was uh, was for, was the teacher at NAFA. Right, so right. I, so, so I learned from him and uh, I... And and for Chinese uh, Chinese instruments, we have the equivalent of the ABRSM. Yes. So we we so so there's a target, you know, there's there's a, there's a goal. So we, so I took the exams and 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 all that, and hmm. uh, I decided to go to NAFA. Right. Um. Now this going to NAFA thing was uh, especially after the O levels was quite uh, controversial at that time. Okay. My my fam my parents okay my mum, uh she's quite supportive, because she's one who 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 thinks that okay you know let's just do something different she's quite forward thinking, you know so hmm. uh uh she was quite supportive. Now who who uh it was the it was the teachers at school that were quite shocked at my decision. Ah okay. Why because uh they, my results was was uh was quite okay was decent enough right. to, to go into a decent uh, JC. So they were thinking, wow, mm. music, you know, did you screw up your O-levels? So this was okay. a stereotype <laughs> at that time. Right, yes, yes. This is a I, I mean, stereotype. Yeah, to a, to a certain extent, this would always exist, right? I think. It's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I, I don't like it. Mm. Yeah. And so I, what, what, yeah. what was your, your reaction then, then now that you've heard, or when, at the point of time when you heard that, uh, their reaction? Um, Quite, quite, quite angry, you know, uh, because, uh, so, so, what are you trying to say? Oh, because uh, people who don't do uh, who don't do well at all levels, they do music. Is this what what you're trying to say? Of course not, right? This is mm. not true, you know. But yeah, at that time, uh, we are talking about two thousand and seven, you know, about yeah. you know, at yes. that time, still quite quite radical, uh, this choice. <laughs> quite yeah, radical. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. um, yeah. So I so I did Nafa and. Uh, so three years at NAFA, and then after mm. that, uh, I went to the army. I I, I, mm. I tried to I tried to get into the MDC. I couldn't. I couldn't downgrade my my physical, uh, status. So right. Okay. I in, so I was in a combat unit. I see. Uh, Living the the two best years of your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I managed to downgrade, but I couldn't make it to MDC because they needed a uh, an E or something like that. So I was only at a C C nine. So so yeah. I was a, I was a clerk. Um, mm. towards the end, uh, at least half of my my unit days. Before that, I was I a dog handler, K nine unit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the sounds of it, it sounds interesting and fun. Is it? Is uh, it fun or? <laughs> I'm not a huge dog lover. I see. So. Okay. <laughs> right. And, right. And we do graveyard shifts, so we are talking about twelve uh. to six a.m. Okay. It's security, okay. so we're 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 patrolling the the base and all that. Uh, mm. Yeah, and and that is quite bad because when you know when we book out or when we finish our shifts, we're we're quite tired. So the whole body clock is uh is uh, has gone has gone haywire, and mm. um pra- uh and I I find it difficult to practice on my instrument. At that time, I was still practicing the erhu, you know, but it was yeah. so difficult. And then uh once you stop practicing, everything you know everything goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your fingers can't move. Suddenly, everything can can move. So yeah, it was quite quite mm. a, quite a hard time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna stop you there for oh, a sure. second before you you go. Uh, before we continue to talk about the next step of your musical journey. So I'm curious. 
between switching CCA from badminton to a Chinese orchestra, then going into NAFA. These are huge steps. Oh, yes. Right? So what was the motivation? Definitely what I'm interested in is how do you get to the point whereby, for example, you're en- enrolling yourself into the School of Young Talent at NAFA. And of course, after that, it's kind of understandable the trajectory of your interest and how it developed. But how do we get there in the first place? I liked the Erhu a lot at that time. And mm. and I was and with my piano background, it it, it helped with my uh, uh with my learning of the Erhu. So things like reading notes, reading uh uh, uh sc- sc- reading scores or reading notes, it's mm. it, it's easier for me. Although we, although we were reading numbers, uh, you, you might know that uh in for most uh, CO uh instruments, Chinese instruments, uh we we mm. read we read numbers. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, of course, we move on to the the Western notation as well. Yeah, and this reading of numbers, uh, uh again, there was a stereotype when I <laughs> when I went to Nafa, so they were thinking, oh, those mm. who read numbers cannot read Western notes, <laughs> mm. which is not true, isn't it? Uh, not true, not true. Yeah, and sure. uh, so I I I really like I really like the Erhu a lot, and I find that I'm I'm uh, I'm doing it quite well, and I. Mm. So I I I I started serious lessons at the end of uh, uh at the end of sec one, and at the end of sec two I took the grading and I I think I got uh they have this high scorers exam so at that time it was sec two, so I mm. I managed to get the the highest score and then I they 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 got me to perform so that that was the first time I I did a solo, in nice. Nafa in Nafa itself okay okay yeah and um. And then sec three, I joined the SY, uh, SNYCO. Mm, and that right. was when, uh, because in my, in my school, not, uh, not many people were, were as serious as me. Yeah. So no, so no one took private lessons uh, uh, apart from me. So I, I didn't mm. actually meet any Urhu players outside of my school yeah. until sec three when I joined the SNYCO. That's where you look at, you, you see other uh, students from other schools. Yeah. And then you see like, oh, this guy is quite good, you know, and, and it feels yeah. like, wow, you know, you might not yeah, be the best the- after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like entering into a, a real uh, world. slightly, yeah, maybe from, from a pond into a sea yes, kind of yes, thing, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, right. So now, sorry to, to break you off oh, there, sure. but let's, yeah, let's continue with uh, your, your musical journey. Now, this is post-national service. Yeah. Why why I chose ethnomusicology? I knew I knew about ethnomusicology quite early uh, earlier on, even during Nafa times. Mm. Um, I knew, and I kind of wanted to to know more about it, and possibly even uh, major in it. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to go into the acad- uh, the academic field, so that was my 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 goal at that time. I know mm. I didn't want to be a performer because uh, I'm not the I'm not the maybe it's my personality I'm not the I'm, I'm very low profile I'm very shy I do get stage fright you know mm. so I'm I, okay. I don't see myself being a, a a performer so right and and I got I got interested in the in, in the research of non-western music so at that time it was Chinese music because I was doing Chinese music and i came to know mm. about ethnomusicology when i was uh when i was trying to find information find uh 
research papers on Chinese music. Not mm. there, there were very few of them, very few written in English. Yeah. And those written in English are actually Western uh Western academics. Okay. Yes. And that that was when I realized, oh, there are a group of people that actually who are not Chinese, who who actually did research on Chinese music. And that was mm. that was and I, I I looked further and I realized, oh, maybe ethnomusic ethnomusicology is what I intend or what I like to do. Yeah. And uh so uh after 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 army I went to uh University of London School of Oriental and African Studies. So usually in uh usually for ethnomusicology, it's a postgrad degree. Yeah. But this university that I've gone, uh, in short, is called SOAS, S-O-A-S. They mm. are a, quite a specialized institute that focuses on Asia and Africa and it, the Middle East. So you don't, you, you, you don't get anything Western there. So this is a mm. very unique institution in London. And it's part of right. the university of, university of London Colleges. Mm. And their degree in music is actually called BA Music. It focuses okay. more on the 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 basics of ethnomusicology. I see. Yeah. Mm. And I decided to enroll in, into this uh, course. And again, my parents were supportive. Mm. And uh, okay. very fortunate uh, on this part. Very grateful. Yeah. To, to actually uh, have the opportunity to do uh, a music degree overseas. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, this completely it resonates with me. And it's extra nice to have the support of people who, who means a lot to you, right? Yes. So tell us about your, your time in London. Now that you are a who player that is living in London, how was the experience like? At um when when I when I went there, I remember because uh I used to practice a lot in the past. So mm. when I when I went there, I continued practicing and then I realized um, this is not a conservatory. This is a university. It's a bit different. Okay. Yeah. And in general, the whole exp- the, the whole university experience was a positive one. And I think it made a huge impact on me and in my uh, own uh, development and my uh my my even my my faith and all that. Uh mm. why? It's because it may sound cliche, but I think this university showed me the world. Why? Because more, more than half of the students are from uh, countries around the world. So they're not British students. So you meet, mm. So I, I got to meet people from different places. Uh, a lot of people from uh, from the Middle East, Egypt, even Pal- uh, Palestinian students. So, the, right. so, so it was, there is a huge diversity uh, mm. of cultures there and it really opened up my mind open up my world really and yeah. music wise there's so much so many different uh, music traditions that were available there mm. and uh, okay. there was a very small small Chinese ensemble there and again I have to ma- I had to manage my expectations they are not they didn't do they, they didn't go through the NAFA training so so we have to ex- you know we don't expect too much from them and most mm. of them are westerners huh? so westerners playing Chinese music Okay, right. Yeah, right. so this is quite uh, quite interesting. Mm. And uh, I, I will... are you the only a who player and wrote into the course? Yes, I am. Were there any other? Okay, right. 
so apart from so I, I I did a bit with the Chinese ensemble, but we are playing really uh basic stuff, mm. and I also had the opportunity to play in other music ensembles. Right. So first one is Gamilan, which I'm terrible mm. at, and uh, okay, Thai music. So these two. Okay. Yeah. Um. Why I say um. I'm I'm terrible at gamelan is because I'm I'm more comfortable with sheet music so notated music, and gamelan it's really you you need to understand the structure and all that it's quite difficult for mm. me, and then yeah and it's all sort of memorized right yes yes and yeah. I think at that time uh, the it was not taught properly or or at least we we didn't really understand what was going on we we were going by feel so you know most of the time we were lost we don't know what's going on. Mm. And after that, I there is a module that we can pick uh, apart from Gamilan. Gamilan is compulsory if we do music there. Okay. So there, there is another ensemble that you can choose. So I chose the, the there were different uh, there were different ensembles. Then there was the Thai music, there was the Indian uh, tabla, there was the the kora. The kora is a very interesting West African harp. Which was very popular. Okay. And uh Korean drums, I think. So these four. I picked the Thai music. Right. Okay. Yeah. And uh yeah. so in the second year, I decided to pursue Thai music further. But mm. due to some reasons, uh I think the, the the teacher wasn't around and all that. So uh in the second year we can we can actually take private lessons one to one. The university gives you a sum of money. For the for that module for that particular module, and you can I learn see. the instrument. And okay. then I I came across the oud. Yep. So um, uh, I decided to try the oud instead. Okay, why I chose the oud is because I think the sound is really beautiful, and I like yeah the, definitely I like the the funky intervals, <laughs> the microtone, uh, the microtone. Yes, right? yes. Okay. Yeah. Very, very yeah. interesting. So I, 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 de- I decided to 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 have a go. And mm. uh, by the way, oud is fretless. So unlike the guitar, it, it's it's it doesn't have frets. So this is mm. a bit similar to the erhu. Erhu doesn't have frets as well. So I thought, okay, yeah. maybe it's a, uh, maybe I can I can give it a go. Wow, it was mm. difficult, man. Although there were <laughs> although there were some transferable skills, but it was very difficult for me at, at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, you you've mentioned to me that different yeah. systems, that the different types of uh, schools of playing of wood, they use a different system to like the Western system of major scales, uh, minor scales, ah, and okay. major systems, yes. right? And you are you are telling me that in between what we Western musicians know as a semitone, there are nine steps. In is it the Turkish system or something like that? Yes, um, something so, ridiculous like that, so isn't it? Basically, uh, Middle Eastern in, uh, uh, Middle Eastern music, they it is based on the uh the melodic system. We call it the makam, so M A K A M. So it's like mm-hmm. a it's 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 like a it's a mode, it's a scale, and um, but it has certain rules in how it moves and all that. Yeah, and uh, Middle Eastern music is microtonal, so your so so your your tuning system is not equal temperament. Your mm. your sem- your um your scales are not divided equally. Yeah. And s- just now you mentioned um divided into nine parts. That is Turkish music. Mm. 
okay. what, what it means is that between a whole tone, nine parts, but we don't use all nine. Uh, okay. So uh, this was this was quite difficult for me to 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 get the the intonation right. Because mm. back in Nafa, we when you train, you are training to perfect the the intonation towards the the Western standard, your equal temperament, the accuracy, right? Yes, the accuracy. Of everything. Yes. Yeah. So suddenly, it kind of changed, and it took a a, a long time for me to get used to this. Mm. Uh, so yeah. So would you say that like when you are talking about playing uh, performing in the oud when you when when it's so microtonal that you are really after specific um you're trying to capture certain perhaps musical expression or emotion with the use of these microtonalities yes because the microtones with with microtones means that your intervals are different your mm. your you are you're no longer your major second minor third major third perfect fourth the 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 distance between the notes are are are, are quite different which is why it can evoke a certain kind of emotion. It's a different sound color. Mm. Yes. And uh, from, for Turkish music, uh, for example, we, we look at Western notation. And okay. uh, we, we do have the accidentals, but we have different, uh, more accidentals. For example, in Western music, you have sharp and flat. Yeah, that's it. Okay, natural, sharp, flat, natural. Mm. Yeah. Um. In, in uh, Turkish music, your flat symbol. There is uh there is one with the stroke. And there is one mm. with the when it's inverted. Okay. Well, these these symbols tell me that it's it's flat in a certain to a certain degree. So it's I not, see. It's not like the Western flat kind of thing. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that's really interesting, and it just really uh, shows that in the world of classical music or music theory, um, the general music theory that we learn is all uh, Western music yes. theory, isn't it? And it's a system that is okay. I th- I think you uh, <laughs> for sure. When I started learning it, I thought that this is like really complex. But when you start to hear about uh, music from different cultures and their different system. Oh, it's like uh, you you realize that perhaps you know Western music is not as complicated as other uh, different types of uh, indigenous or regional yes, uh, yes. music, Indeed, right? Yeah, yeah. But the knowledge of Western music theory actually helps in understanding also uh, all these uh, other uh, traditions. It really mm. helps. So now uh, I want to ask you like. You you mentioned that you know you are not perhaps very interested in becoming a performer and perhaps the the direction of becoming a, a performer wasn't something that you want to embark on when you were choosing your uh, degree course, right? So, uh, my question to you is that has things changed since uh, picking up the wood? I I do miss performing uh, sometimes, mm. but uh, I know. It's not something that I want to do full time, yeah. And I'm actually happier doing it part time, even 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 playing the oud, which I really adore at this moment. Mm. Do you think that uh, the oud has perhaps like um, given you uh, this new kind of spark, this kind of energy uh, towards performance? Oh, that definitely, you... definitely, because yeah, um, it's it's something 
firstly, it's new and, and, and it's like my newfound love. <laughs> right. And mm. uh, I, I'm still savoring it. Okay. So okay. Uh, I hope the enthusiasm don't fall like how it did in Erhu. <laughs> yeah, so I really enjoy performing the Oud. But again, right. uh, not as a full-time thing. I see. Yeah. I see. And uh, so you, you mentioned something quite interesting, right? So you, uh, perhaps at some point in your musical journey, you felt that the Erhu, you, you sort of lost that that love uh, for, for the Erhu. And why, why do you think that happened? I think it, it kind of started um, even before I even before I ended NAFA, so p- probably in the third year. It okay. I I I don't know why. Maybe I I kind of um, I wouldn't say I got bored by it, but I I was not I was not fulfilled. You know, it didn't give me that kind of fulfillment anymore. Mm. And when I went to uh uh when when I went to London, I I brought the Erhu. I I thought you know, uh, I did some gigs there as well, and I also I was I also did some teaching. And okay. Um. Again, the spark wasn't there. I think it just died. Uh. Mm. Why it died? I. I really have no idea. But um. I I feel empty. all of a sudden, you know, mm. in uh to, towards the end of Nafa, and that's I think maybe it's um, it's a time where I. I had my insecurities and my my uncertainties about what I want to do in the future. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you you brought up some. Uh, of course, I'm I'm putting you on the spot here, right? Trying to uh tap into perhaps uh, uh some of the the deeper feelings about how you are feeling about um things of the Actually, past. Actually, we we can do this on a separate episode. This one is yeah because <laughs> I'm I'm, yeah. I'm conscious about the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and sure, sure, definitely, we, we can definitely do that. Yeah, and I think it it all, it all comes down to one thing. I think as um, musicians, we do um, carry with us certain emotional baggages, and sometimes these emotional baggages are so kind of tied into and embedded into the the instrument that we play that. The moment we start playing, even though we are already getting better, even though that we might be improving and stuff like that, there is always that sense of like, but if I say trauma is uh pushing it a little bit, but you know, any sort of like negative experiences would linger on. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. Actually, it um, it kind of did. Um. Okay. Let's say for the Erhu. The Erhu at one time um, reminded me of my my regrets because okay. I because of the Erhu I ended up like that. So I see now when when did that happen? That happened when uh, when when at the end of uh, when I came back to Singapore when I tra- when I was trying to find a a, a full time job, mm. and that was when it got uh, quite. I, it was very difficult to 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 get a job at that time. I was jobless for quite some, at least six months. Huh? I was I was jobless, and I was feeling very low. And and when when I saw the Erhu, it it kind of uh 
it, it really reminded me of my actions. Okay, what actions? The decision to actually do music. And then there, there, was, there was this sense of regret at that time. Okay. And even the sound of the Erhu really triggered. Nah. It was quite bad. It, was, it, it really was quite bad. Mm. I see. So now, um, of course, when we are not in the, the best place in our mind, it's very easy for us to, to have these sort of very negative feelings. Right. So now that uh, time has gone by a little bit, uh, you've got some time to take a step back and look at the bigger picture of things. Right. So my question to you now is, are there any, uh, are there any regrets in your decision to pursue music? You know, I've been asking myself this question. Um, you see, if I, have not, if, if I had not done music, I wouldn't have gone to London. I wouldn't have found the wood. I wouldn't have gotten the experiences that I, I, I had in London. So it's, it's when the regret comes in when you're feeling very low and you wish you, have, that you had done something different so, so that you wouldn't have ended up in the, the circumstances that uh, you're currently in. Yeah. But, you know, n- now when, when I look back on hindsight, I wouldn't say I regret that mm. much. If you if you had asked me this question in twenty sixteen, then right. I, then I, I would have I would have said yes I regretted. But mm. you know now with my different experiences, you know, uh, I, I gain I, I gain a lot as well from 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 my from my decision. Yeah. So it's it's all about uh you know in life you you know, you make you make decisions and it might not turn out the outcome might not turn out the way you expected but yeah uh at some time you know at some point as you as you go on and then you think back hey actually it's not that bad after all it opened mm. you know it might it it might have opened different doors to different things maybe yeah. not the one that you intended yeah yeah so, definitely yeah. And I think it's very interesting and I, I appreciate uh, your your insights and that you're obviously not trying to mask anything. You're being like really, really honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, yeah, like, like I said, I do really, really appreciate that. And yeah, I think, you know, you don't, you, you can't trade it for anything. The, the couple of years that you spent in London, at least from the way that you described it, right? I think it's this richness of culture in your school as well. Yes. That, yeah, that you you can't really trade it for for anything, any amount of money, you know. Um, yeah. So because I I believe that apart from just learning musical cultures and you know of course everyone is there to to study, but I'm sure you talk about circumstances of their lives over there, how they live, and it put a lot of things into perspective, isn't it, for us. In Singapore, yes, it really it, you know it's 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 always you know no, knowing these people from from different places, and you know that their perspectives of or perspectives of life and 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 the way they they think totally different. There are similarities, mm. but and it's it's all it's always you know it, it enriches us to meet people, and then you you discuss things, you talk about things, and to know how they think. I think it, it yep. enriches us as well. Correct, because when you grow up in a different environment and different circumstances, what you deem as normal is 
it varies, right? Yes. Basically, I think, you know, in terms of this sort of regrets when it comes to like music education and stuff like that, when then you put into perspective, perhaps some of the things that your friends have gone through in their lives, in their pursuit of uh, to, to come to London and to learn music, you know, you would think that perhaps being out of job for a couple of months pales in comparison to their experiences, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Absolutely. I, I, this, I, I uh, definitely agree, man. But, but of course, when we are down in the dumps, it's very hard <laughs> to take that step back to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. 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 Just maybe a, a small kind of like, or not really small, but some personal experiences. Uh, what are some of the difficulties that you faced when you were trying to find work as a music graduate when you returned back to Singapore? So when I returned back, in, when I came back in 2016, I did a one-year internship. One-year internship, mm. okay? It's very long. And that was in... Uh, so that ended in 2017. So after the internship, I was promised a job, a, a contract, a short-term contract. I think it was six or eight months. Mm. And this internship was music-related? No, it's at Interpol. Ah, okay. I see. Yes. Right. Ah, okay. I, okay, I, I wanted to gain corporate experience you I know, see on top of okay. uh, you know so so the, the I was looking for something that you know as a fresh grad I wanted to do uh, you know uh, just general corporate experience mm. N- nothing in particular so I, I, I just um, I did interview and I I, I, I got it so right. uh, towards the end I was promised a job and then I found another job and this is a this this job is interesting. This is actually a a score librarian at the SCO. Now this ah, is music okay. related. Yeah. Okay. And it and it paid quite well, I must say. Mm. So at that time, I thought, uh, you know, since I since I was offered the six months, uh, over there, I actually prefer to stay at, in, in at Interpol. And uh, okay. I was due to start in twenty in twenty seventeenth January. Mm. and uh, sorry sorry 2018th January and I haven't signed any contract with I haven't signed a contract the employment contract and then I went to SEO for that one month my internship ended in, in, at November I, I joined in December right and whoa it's a huge huge cultural shock man in, in SEO I did not expect the work to be that tedious okay so apparently uh, apparently a score librarian, especially in uh, in Western uh, symphony orchestras, they work mm. in a team of maybe four to five people. I think. Mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, at SCO, it was only two, me and this uh, this lady who is about to retire, and I'm 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 to take over her position, which means it's one person. It's too okay. difficult, and the system there, the the score library system, is so terrible. It was so difficult. <laughs> I see. I quit within two weeks. Right. Okay. Why? Why? I. Why I was so. Uh. I. I. I dared to quit because I knew in January I'm. I'm starting something different. And never, mm. never did I expect that. Uh. Uh. After I quit, I found. Uh. Uh. My. Uh. Interpol called me and they said no, they are not taking me after all. Wow. 
that that was a huge blow. Wow. And from okay. from January to June 2018, I was I was jobless. It was very difficult. Mm. So like uh, I, you know, with, with a music degree, we have to. I have to be absolutely honest. Not many people are willing to give you the chance. Yeah. So my my current my current job, I, I'm I'm very fortunate that uh they they are quite open minded. I see. Yeah, they are quite open minded because, as as opposed to the more traditional with uh you know traditional degrees, you know, uh say mm. for example uh, engineering or or maybe some something from maybe some science. Uh, these are degrees that employers are more familiar with. But when you put on when you, when you put on a uh, a music degree, they they might think again the, the stereotype of the of of um you know uh yeah you probably didn't do well in your in your studies that's why you do music. Now this one right. this, this is a very terrible thing and I think it's it, it exists to, uh, still today. Wow, so that that's interesting. I mean for sure. It's the amount of amount of time that you invested at uh, Interpol as well, isn't it? Yes. You've been there for an entire year, being an intern, and then uh, to be given the the promise or a verbal word that you'll be given uh, full time employment, and then for them to just sort of like turn their back on you and be like, "Look, we can't give you anything. You're on your own now." Yeah, that one was quite bad, yeah. and I I trusted because it was a it was a big uh it was a big organization. I trusted the organization, so uh, yeah, they said they were preparing the the thing to to sign. So I, I trusted them and turned out, wow, this was a huge blow. I will never yeah. forget. I will never forget this. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, even if you wanted to, it would be difficult. It's very it? difficult. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, what words of advice, you know, for perhaps like, music graduates who are, you know, entertaining the thought of um, perhaps a, a kind of career change? Is it a matter of just kind of like being out there and just trying and not limiting yourself to the kind of work, you know, you have any advice? I'm 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 not trying to say that do, doing music is bad. Huh? So I, I'm not trying to paint a doom and gloom picture about, about a music. Yeah, career. yeah, of course not. But course I not. think um uh if if it's possible for, for, for students to pick up other skills, you know, um mm. m- maybe nowadays, you know, like like podcasting is one. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. marketing is one you know right things th- these sort of digital skills I, I I think these are very valuable you may you may be a you, you may be a, a music student you may be a musician but you at some point you, the self-promotion part is going to happen and you need all these skills you know so yeah. um, I think you know uh, attaining th- these sort of skills is, is actually quite paramount to 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 the to the possible career in the future Mm, yeah and very wise words indeed uh very good advice and i agree especially uh to the podcasting part (laughs) 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 yeah Uh, but look uh you know uh, time flies yes yes you know yeah uh, it's about time for us to wrap up this conversation now but thank you so much once again for uh, coming on to the show thank you for having me no, absolute pleasure, you know, to just take time out to speak to me, share your thoughts and experiences. And, you know, I think really in this current climate, there are definitely musicians who are perhaps considering a change in career, 
you know, in order to sustain uh, their livelihoods and stuff like that. Right now, it's not easy, to be honest. Uh, so, this can often be very difficult topics to address. And sometimes, even when you speak out about this sort of problems, not many people in the music industry would understand. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's been great to hear your first-hand experiences and from someone especially who has made the decision to pivot into something else and successfully done that. And still, you live this sort of um, life or secret life as a performer. <laughs> Does your colleagues know that you are uh, performing? Uh, on the wood? They, they do, actually. They do. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I, I shared so some, some videos with, with them and they've come to my gigs before. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, so maybe uh, secret, but not so secret. Not so secret. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, so uh, look, thanks again uh, for coming on to the show. And if you want to check out Yuyao's playing, I'll provide a link in the show description, which is a recent show that he did at the Esplanade Concourse, playing some really, really lovely Turkish music. So uh, please check that out. And yeah, you know, let him know what you think. You know, drop in a, a, a DM. Uh, he's extremely friendly. Yeah, if you get flooded, you let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. It was an yeah. absolute pleasure to speak with you, Vincent. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to me. I appreciate that. And then on that note, we will sign off on this episode of You Play A What. You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algodas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time. Thank you.